0: Welcome to In Scripture Podcast. We're so glad to have you listen with us while we dive into Scripture and dissect God's Word verse by verse. Listen with us and don't forget to leave us questions and feedback as you journey with us through His Word. Question for everybody. How do you go about people that they just come off, they rub off wrong on you. So sometimes it could be right away. Sometimes it takes a while for a person to really start changing and acting towards you in a way where it's really hard for you to love them. I know everybody has met that kind of person. Could be a coworker. Um, hopefully it's not a family member because it's a little bit more difficult. Hopefully but, it's not a podcast. Uh, hopefully if it's <laughs> it's not your in-law because that, that's also difficult. But Um, has there ever been a person that maybe something changed in that person's life to where they were different once, but now they are just becoming really, uh, really hard for you to love. And scripture teaches us to love and to love our neighbor. It doesn't give us guidelines of only love your neighbor this way, or if they're this way, it just says to love your neighbor. And so, um, how, what do you? How do you go about with a person that's just really difficult to love? He does everything possible to make you angry, to make you frustrated, to um, sometimes even set you up to where you could get in trouble. You can get in trouble in your career, like if you in, if you meet that kind of person. I think we should probably just go around uh, give maybe a personal experience. Obviously, no names, but like I have one, and there was moments where I really, really wanted to react right away. Um, I think that's like the number one thing that always happens to me is like something happens. I know sometimes it's even premeditated by the person doing it. And so I'm really at that moment frustrated and angry and I really want to say something, but I know I shouldn't. And have you guys ever encountered that? And I'll go last, I guess, but have you ever encountered that? And if you have, how did you go about it? Because we always have to remember um, we are walking with Christ, right? We are, in the light with Christ, just like we talked about earlier. Um, How do we go about having a relationship with a person who really makes it difficult for us?
1: Um, I guess I'll start. Nobody else got a story. Um, I do remember uh, there was, I went to this one job that I was working for the summer um, and there was a few other people, a few other guys, they're all like in their early 20s Um, And I did share my faith with them. It was like I was a new Christian back then. I was on fire. I shared that I was a Christian and I talked to them about it. And after that, they would do things to test me. Like, just, I don't know why, but it just immediately, they know you're a Christian and they do things for reaction to you. Like that you would react to them, almost like testing your faith or something. And there were situations they, someone said something to me. And I wanted to react and then just something inside told me just walk away. And then I just turned and I walked away and I didn't think about that situation again. And after that, their, their, um, attitude toward me completely changed. And it it happened a few times where they were testing me, but then like when they weren't receiving that reaction, it changed where they started respecting the way like that I lived, what I preached and, i worked there a few months and then at the end um he did ask for a bible so like it opened the door for wow. further conversations with that person so it's kind of an example from my life where you got to be consistent you can't react and the devil's using them or the enemy or they're trying to test you to see if your faith is true and that's if you do pass there's a lot a lot of positive that can come out of that So don't react
2: in that moment. (laughs) Try not to. I think for me, it, it depends. If it's somebody that I really didn't know to begin with and I see that they're negative towards me, I just won't really talk to them. You know what I mean? At least for me. But if it was, I've had a few situations where there was someone that I knew and then all of a sudden they started being a little bit more hostile towards me and I'm the kind of person where I wear my emotions on my sleeve so uh, you probably haven't seen it as much um, recently, but... I'll say this. You're not the easiest guy to read, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> more more, Recent. more <laughs> recently, <laughs> yes. I've, I've learned that um, being emotional doesn't really help, especially acting on your emotions. Um, so what I would do is I'd go out of my way to get some time to just talk with them and be like, hey... We have some sort of disagreement. I just want to let you know um, everything's cool in mind. What's wrong with, like, you know, just kind of have an open conversation, see if there's an open dialogue, and if they don't want to go for it, I'm at peace. I knew that I'd tried to at least kind of recover that relationship. Um, Yeah, there's more I want to say. I'm, like, thinking you kind of talked about how we ought to love our neighbor. I was like, what does it mean then to love our neighbor? Do we have to go completely out of our way in order so that way we're all you know, singing kumbaya together? Um, or do we follow the example that Christ did, even though technically the sacrificial love? Yeah, those two were enemies. But when you saw that they were in despair, do you laugh? Do you point fingers? Do you mock or do you reach out and help? You know what I mean? So, Alex, you brought up
3: specifically someone being antagonistic towards you. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to point out a proverb that's been helpful to me. Proverbs 26, 4, do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Verse 5, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So the principle there is we need wisdom. Mm -hmm. There are moments when we are not to engage in the fool's folly, lest we look and be like him in his folly. And there are moments where artfully, tactfully, and lovingly, we are to answer a fool according to his folly, to show him that he's in the folly that he's in. Of course, all of this balances with New Testament principles of what is love. Love is patient, love is kind. Love does not seek its own. All of those things are true, but we need wisdom from God to know whether or not to interact with somebody in a way that would show them you're behaving foolishly or I'm not going to engage in that situation because foolishness is speaking for itself.
2: I think Christ is the ultimate example of that. Yeah, yeah. I was just even thinking... um, how Christ reacted to the Pharisees, even though they were his enemies. Sometimes I see and I'm like, he's not really being fully loving towards them. But I think he's been, the, the way that he answers sometimes is either to guide them, but also to test them mm-hmm. um, for kind of like we talk about here, where if we see that um, our theology doesn't necessarily match uh, on certain topics, we'll poke holes and walk away. So that way we'll, I'll, I'll be like, hey, are you sure about this? Well, what about this passage? What about this passage? And then just walk away. To and make then, the person think. And then that person will think. And I think Christ did that too, because I was just reading when um, he was talking with Nicodemus in John 3, and I'm like, wait, he um, became a believer, right? But then here we see the, the way that he asks him questions. He's like, You are a teacher of your people, and you don't even know this. It's like he's almost like mocking him, but he's not, because I think he's leading him on towards the greater truth. Mm. So kind of like what you said, at times you have to answer a a fool according to his, which folly, folly. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say folly, but that which seems almost, which
0: seems almost harder to do if you think about it than to not. not per- participate in the person's foolishness. It's, it's, um, e- it's
1: easier to ignore and walk away. Than, than to, to actually make the engage. person yeah. realize he's a fool. Yeah.
2: Yep. I think, uh, I, I just remember why that example came to mind too about Christ as Pastor Jared was preaching on in, in Mark when the uh, Pharisees were trying to test him. And they were saying, you know, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And he kind of answers them, but according to their folly, he's, he kind of brings out a coin. He doesn't say, yes, you should, you know. He brings out a coin and says, give to Caesar what's Caesar's.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So you have to speak in riddles. That's what I'm getting. If you're
4: wise enough. <laughs> it's
5: like if some unbeliever asks you a question, you answer them in the parable. <laughs> There once was a man. <laughs> hey, you want Starbucks? There once was a
2: man who had two sons. <laughs> Try that next time. Let me tell you a story a long time ago.
0: And then the guy will have so many questions and you just walk away.
2: Folks, so many holes. I've listened to some sermons where I got left confused. I'm like, wait, what? Not this weekend, though.
0: Serge, have you ever had anybody dislike you? that you've, you see that they dislike? I
5: think there's probably been more people that I've disliked and probably disliked me. Because I consider myself, not to brag or be boastful, but I think I've, I'm an easy kind of guy that gets along with everyone. Like I don't have beef with anyone that I know. Can't say that on the reverse side. But me, that's just, I don't know, just the kind of character I am. I try not to stir that kind of stuff up. And if it is, I try, if some by accident, usually my fault, does appear, I try to resolve it as quick as I can. You're
2: like Paul. You want us all to follow your example.
5: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sure.
2: (laughs) Um, interpret it as you will.
5: You said that, not me. Um, (laughs) So, but there's definitely been people in my life that I once was close with that, Looking at their recent life choices have made me be more distant from them. Mm. Um, so there's that, not because I hate them or because they hate me, but just their life choices. I realize aren't really edifying me spiritually. And there's and I've had some conversations with them and everything, and tried to see like where they stand at and question them, like why they do these things, and they really couldn't give me a good answer. You know, just pretty much just justifying their sin. And after doing that once, twice, I realized, like, okay, there's, I don't think there's much more I can do with this person, and he's not really benefiting me spiritually, neither am I him. So, we just kind of, yeah, I drifted.
0: I went, so. like, I kind of, I kind of, my in my situation, I only brought this up because I'm living through it, but I think it's a, it's a very common thing. Um, I think there's a lot of us out there that encounter people that are just very hostile towards us, and sometimes it's for no reason, sometimes because we are Christian, sometimes it's because we have had to make a tough decision, and that decision affected that person in some way, and so now he holds a grudge against you, and so um, I think we all fall to those, like my in my situation, the person is not Christian, and he... and him not liking me is not because I'm Christian, it has nothing to do with that. Um, although that's what I'm assuming, I don't know the intention of his heart, but there's just been things that are happening behind my back that I am told by others and it's affecting my you know, performance at work and stuff. And so it's really difficult for me to, like there's been moments where I caught the person in action and I, and, I, and I was like, I have every right to tell him how I feel, like straight out. But then I realized at the same time, I am angry right now. And so something, I, I might say something that I'll either later regret or that I'll have to explain for, um, this is just not the right time for me to say something, even though to me, to my mind, it makes sense for me to say something because cause it's in that moment, right? And so I, I remember this, and I don't remember where I heard this, unfortunately. It might have been from a call to preach, but it, it, there's a line where it, it said, don't act don't ever make decisions and actions on your feelings because feelings will never drive you the proper way. Um, And if you think about it, feelings could be many things, right? We could be angry, 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 or, or, you know, upset or bothered, or in, in my case, that's the kind of feelings I had with that individual. And so going off that feeling, I wanted to say certain things. Um, but reading Ephesians, it, it really there's a lot of there's a lot of passages in there that really kind of circle around in my head. Um, the therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. Um, we talked about that sacrificial love, but at the same time be imitators of God as dear children. And if I consider myself an imitator of God uh, uh, as as a dear child, um, I obviously show that to that person and to everybody else around me. So even though at that moment I'm very upset, I have, you know, a lot of anger, I can't, I, I totally agree with what you guys said. You guys are right on line with what I'm thinking. It's not worth to say anything, but there will come a point where I'll have to have a difficult conversation in, in private, calmly, with that person when I'm not in my anger feeling or, you know, any other feeling. I, I will have to sit down and calmly explain like, hey, do we have a problem? I don't have a problem, but do we have a problem because I'm hearing these things? And so, um, difficult conversations are kind of part of, part of, um, even the nature in my job, really dealing with people. I've had many difficult ones, but sometimes they're easier because I'm only telling a person what he did wrong because we all know he did that wrong, or I know he did it wrong, but it's never personal to where a, a person is against me. And so for me, that's a kind of a new, uh, a new situation. And so I kind of wanted to ask you guys. And I think that the answers we gave and, you know, even what we talk about, hopefully today, um, we can actually touch on this later in our passages, but it, it, it's really don't act in the moment. And if, and if you are listening and if you do did run into that, or you are going through that right now, it's never worth it to respond right then and there. Um, respond when you're not in your, um, feeling that's current. So like if you're angry, if you're you know, frustrated. Just wait till it kind of boils down to where you have a clear mind, and then respond, talk to that person. Because most of the time, it's really something small. It could also be something that person heard that's not even true, and he could be mad at you for it. So, um, I'm glad we went over that. That that really kind of uh, put your heart at me. Ease. Assured me. I'll I'll be thinking of this conversation next time I'm frustrated. <laughs> I'm sure it'll come sooner or later. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime. Glad we could help. Maybe I should just open Ephesians and be like, hey, listen, buddy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> buddy. Let's have a Bible study.
0: <laughs> Let me read you verse one, chapter five, all right? <clears throat> what was
2: that meme that I posted?
5: <laughs> you're made in the image of God and so is the... Uh, the jerk. The yeah, jerk other you're jerk. arguing with. Yeah, <laughs> It's true. All right. All um, right. Ephesians chapter five is where we at. Alex already did a smooth transition for us uh, to get into it. Uh, I wouldn't call
0: that smooth; it's a little bumpy.
5: <laughs> so we talked. It starts out talking about imitators of God, uh, his beloved children, and we talked a lot about sexual immorality um, about a couple weeks ago, and then we kind of transitioned, uh, the, continued that conversation a little more going into like verses eight through fourteen. Walking in light. Yep walking in light fruitful works revealing uh the darkness and things of the darkness and what that looks like and we kind of came to this very interesting verse uh, which i think we could probably start off here and then continue on through verse 21 uh so we'll start out talking with verse 14 but let's maybe read it first um was it 14 13 i'll
0: read it yep uh ephesians 5 verse 14 therefore he says awake you who sleep arise from the dead and Christ will give you light
5: you skipped the beginning of that verse but I'll forgive you
0: <laughs> what
5: did I for anything that becomes visible is light therefore it therefore says. it
2: says what is the therefore
0: oh that conjunction Thompson. man conjunction
2: how could I <laughs> forgive me brother <laughs> Your forgiveness.
3: Walk
0: then. away. <clears throat> just walk away.
3: <laughs> there once was a man with two sons.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: let
0: me give you a parable. All right, let me do that properly this time. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So we had a little bit of a disagreement, and I think we kind of have a split table disagreement because we we were all trying to more understand. Um, At least I was, but I said my point of view, that doesn't mean it's correct, obviously. And so when we get to the passage of awake, you who sleep and arise from the dead, um, I think the point that we stopped at, is it talking about um, somebody who is in darkness or somebody who's not saved? Or is it talking about a Christian that has now uh, fallen into a perpetual sleep in their spiritual life and...
2: Perpetual sleep? No, I don't think it was perpetual sleep. It might be sin. That's that's what this discussion was. This is it a, a Christian who we see that's yeah. sinning? Um, do we talk to them and does Christ shine on them and they get awake, awoken or is it non-believers?
0: And I think our split was kind of evenly. I, I was speaking from the fact that given these words, when you see awake, you who sleep and arise from the dead, it's talking about somebody who is... Completely dead. This
2: time around, on a separate note, before we jump into that, I kind of realized the it's almost like a pun, but it's not, um, where he quotes and says, Christ will shine on you. And here we're talking about, in the beginning of the verse, it says, for anything that becomes visible is light. Mm-hmm. And then it talking about how being exposed by the light and that light is Christ. Mm-hmm. That was just amazing.
0: It's like it makes sense.
2: Yeah. <laughs> So Austin, hot take, what's your opinion? So I think it's
3: referring to the condition of man prior to salvation and then regeneration and new life being given results in the light of our sins being exposed that we bring to Christ continually throughout life. So Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 are, as we've talked before, the imperatives that flow from the indicatives of chapters 1 through 3. So awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, is speaking specifically, I think, of the condition prior to salvation. And in salvation, Christ gives us light, and that life, as you said, is himself. So I don't think this is necessarily referring to a Christian who's gone back to sleep or is in any way dead in his sins, but this is speaking holistically of what happens when a a sinner comes to Christ. In faith, he is given new life, and that new life is experienced by continually bringing his sins to the light, and repenting of those sins. Can I ask a
2: question? Yes. How did you come to this conclusion? Is there anything within the immediate context that led you to believe that?
3: Yes. So, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light, therefore he says. So we see here that all things are, referring to in verse 12, The shameful things that are shameful to even speak of those things were done in secret. So these are these sins that are involved in the Christian community that should not be a part of the Christian community. Um, And bringing those sins to the light, letting them be exposed, is whatever makes manifest is light. So therefore, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. This is an Old Testament allusion, correct? Mm -hmm. So what we're seeing here, I believe, is the connection between those things done in secret that are being brought to the light in a christian community but unless someone is prior prior to that experience of the conviction unless they are saved then this then this whole experience is not going to happen hmm. so that would be the reason that I would at least start the other the other reason would be if I'm zooming out a bit and that's where I went to the the difference between chapters 1 through 3 and 4 through 6 so you have the, the gospel realities that are de- declared over uh, converted sinners. And then in 4, 5, and 6, you have the commands to walk a certain way. Walk in love, walk in light, walk in wisdom, uh, it, instructions about marriage, instructions about the church, children, parents, uh, working. All of those things flow out of what's declared over converted sinners in Christ. So especially when you compare that with the Isaiah passage of Arise, shine, for your light has come, uh, all of that referring to Christ, as you said, I think would would show that this is the conversion of a sinner and the light of Christ, which is exposing sin in the life of that sinner. Do you disagree?
2: Does anyone disagree? I I don't agree or disagree. (laughs) I just don't know. (laughs) Can I kind of explain my mindset yes chapter five if you look it we I wasn't here for uh the first part um when you guys were covering verses one through seven but we kind of talked that it was talking about um, sexual sin um, sexual immorality and I think these are linked but one thing that I kind of make made note is if we pay attention to the two different subjects that we're talking about is, are we talking about Christians who are in sexual sin or are we talking about non-Christians? And then, um, just point that out. Let me go through, uh, here verse five, everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Are we clear that that's a non-believer? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, how do you say verse one, therefore be
1: imitators as God as beloved children walk mm. in the love as Christ loved us. Mm -hmm. Is that referring to non-believers or he's speaking to the church? He's speaking to the church. Yeah.
2: He's speaking to the church to walk in love. So you're saying the verse here, he pivots to those who are unbelievers? He goes back and forth talking about don't be like the unbelievers. Mm -hmm. Don't be like who you used to be, but rather be like this. And he goes back and forth. Darkness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let me just kind of run through my mindset. Yeah. let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things the wrath of god comes upon the sons of disobedience we talked about this this is unbelievers therefore do not become partners with them who the sons of disobedience for at one time you were darkness keyword but now you are light in the lord so if if they were at darkness but now they are light can we say verse 14 awake o sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you Christ shone on them they were in darkness mm-hmm. and then they were in light so they became born again um yeah that's kind of like just going that going that um along that line i think he's there's a continual talk about darkness and light and then verse 11 take no pride take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. So we thought maybe there was some sort of transition, not necessarily talking about like children of light and children of darkness, but Mm -hmm. deeds of darkness. Mm -hmm. And would there be Christians in the church that would potentially be doing these kind of things?
3: Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: And so that, I think that's where the kind of debate became, well, yeah, obviously if we see somebody in sin doing some sort of things, and we know that they're born again, we should call them out on it, and so we should expose them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this, if you look from the beginning of the chapter, there's this constant conversation about darkness and light, and then also there's a conversion from darkness to light, right. like mentioned in verse uh, 8. Yeah,
3: verse 8 is probably the most powerful point for that argument.
0: So we agree. We agree. And we shall move on. <coughs> <Yeah. laughs> Thank you. Sir, you were wrong. Uh, I was. I I've,
5: I've um I think if you really read Isaiah, the context of the cross reference passages, it makes more sense of what Austin said. And I think if you read the whole book of Isaiah it will probably make even more sense. But yeah, I I admit I thought it meant for Talked about Christians, but I think I think like ninety-eight percent convinced that Austin was right. So works of well, darkness.
3: <laughs> yeah, but your point about a Christian seeing the light exposes sin is a valid
2: point.
5: Mm-hmm. Or I guess we're referring not to the exposing sin but the sleeper and the dead part Mm. is is what i guess tripped us up a little bit more if that's specifically
2: talking about a Mm. christian or a non-regenerate person Mm -hmm. because like you said it is a biblical truth Mm. i don't know if that's necessarily exactly what the author's talking about right now at this point but it is a biblical truth that when we see a brother sinning we should expose the sin so that way they can come to christ and this kind of makes sense if you look at it from that context but from what he's writing i think it's I guess believers versus we would have believers. to ask
5: like that person that is sinning, our brother, supposedly. Yeah. We know is at least we know repented and got baptized. Mm-hmm. And they're sinning. Are they dead at that point or sleeping?
2: That's the no, salvation question. I think this, <laughs> this asking point there is to
3: show you that you are supposed <laughs> to expose these things. So you're not supposed to let these type of sins just be like, eh, that's part of the part of. Part of living. Because then you're a deceiver. Yeah, Yeah. you're deceiving. And this is saying, no, awake you from sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So your light is going to expose those sins so that you repent of them. And what
2: do you expose it with? You expose it with Christ, with proper biblical teaching. You don't just point at someone and be like, ha-ha. Um, But you actually try to lead them to Christ. um, And as a result, they will then awake or arise. Mm. Do it with love. yeah Yeah. amen
5: all right continue on let's read verse 15 through 21 i'll go ahead and read them and then we'll uh talk about them uh so 15. look carefully then how you walk not as unwise but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the lord is and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery but be filled with the spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving a thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another of reference for Christ. All right. Full of talkers.
2: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to process everything. I'm, I'm just thread. okay. We can go word for word. <laughs> no, yeah. let's go verse by verse. <laughs> <laughs> Look carefully. So a Christian. Look. So obviously, it's talking to Christians. So we ought to be observing ourselves, right? Christians sh- should be inspecting themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't. You shouldn't just be like, "Oh, I'm I'm p- doing perfectly fine walking along my my way." You should actually inspect yourself and compare and see, "Hey, am I walking as a wise There's person? There's a T-shirt or Am I, I, d- I not?"
0: There's a t-shirt idea I was thinking of to go. <laughs> what you just said. sure t-shirt says uh, fruit inspector. Fruit you know, <laughs> like inspect other Christian's fruits. That could be interpreted many <laughs> <different laughs> ways. But then uh, as as I was like thinking that I'm like yeah, that probably wouldn't. Make be. sure there's a cross
1: on there somewhere on there.
0: <laughs> yeah. But um but to go along your point, uh how do we how do we um so see that you walk uh, circumspectly is my word, but we could go with uh, accurately or precisely, right? Or with great care and whatnot. But if you if you see then that you walk, and if you are paying attention to that, I think that if you do pay attention to others, that's what you're doing. You're, you're seeing by a Christian's fruits is how you're telling whether he's um, uh, walking with the Lord or not, right? That's the only way we can tell other than him saying that he is saved is by the fruits, us people in general. Um, obviously God, God doesn't look at it that way fully. God looks at whether you are saved or not and you believe and you have faith. But we we see, and so like you said, we should be looking at ourselves as well. Um, but this word, not as fools, but as wise. I think if, if we read that into one, um, where is, uh, my question to me was, what is this fools referring to? Is this a fool like person who's not, you know, smart? Or is this a fool, unbeliever, a person that is not in the faith? Well, fool has said in his heart, there is no God,
3: and he lives as if God does not exist. He lives as as if he will not give an account before God. He lives as the slothful man that he's spoken of in Proverbs. He lives as someone who's constantly out to get others in trouble. So I would think here that the best way to answer what a fool is, is to keep going into the next verse. Yeah. So see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. How can you be wise rather than foolish? You redeem the time because the days are evil. Mm. So rather than living as if God does not exist, rather than living slothfully, rather than living in a way that would not make the time useful, we redeem the time because
0: the days are evil. Yeah, so to understand of how you look carefully, how you walk, you need to understand what is unwise so looking at KJV, what is unwise but as wise? So you need to know the difference between the two. Yeah. And what, yeah. And what That's kind of why I brought it up, because we I don't think we can fully understand the beginning of this verse if we don't understand Also, we keywords. have to understand
2: walk. Mm-hmm. True. Like, you know, it's not a one-time thing. Is that a it's constant a state?
0: Constant state of motion? Yeah. Or is it a today... And then next week once, and then
2: usually people walk with only on With Sundays. a goal in mind, they walk somewhere, and like they're not just walking for no point or no reason, unless they're mentally ill or working out. But even then, I guess that's also a, pers- a reason to walk, right? Working out.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Speed. Sometimes walking. you walk to clear your head, mm-hmm. with a purpose. Yeah. So look carefully on how you walk, not as unwise, but as the wise. So how do you, where do you get wisdom?
1: That's the question. If you're unwise, how do you become wise in this context?
0: Verse 17. Redeeming the time. Mm
2: -hmm. Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So what's the opposite of unwise? Mm -hmm. Being in God's word. Understanding what his will is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it's like even earlier, that's something that we read in verse 10 and Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Um, it's a continual conversation right. he's having here, yeah. I think there's a lot of stuff that kind of goes
5: into under that umbrella mm-hmm. of you know being wise, right? If you read like Romans 12, right, Paul talks about having your mind being transformed by the Holy Spirit, right? Living, uh, your body is a living sacrifice, so kind of you, all of that's supposed to. Be shown by your actions that will glorify God. If you read James, if you guys remember James chapter one, if any of you lacks wisdom, mm. ask it faithfully yeah. without doubting. Mm. Um, obviously, we know in other passages, scripture says wisdom comes from God. So there's wisdom of the Lord. And can we even say that there's wisdom from the world or not? Sure. Because we kind of hear that like there's peace that. Like, comes from the Lord, and there's peace that comes from the world, and then there's wisdom that comes from God, and there's... Would you say wisdom
1: is discernment, in a way?
3: In a way. I I forget who it was that said it, but all truth is God's truth. So truth belongs to God. Mm -hmm. So if there is such a thing as truth outside of Scripture, Mm -hmm. in the natural way that God has created the world, that truth also belongs to God. So it's not as if there's a bifurcation between what God has and what the world has, God owns it all, and anything that is true belongs to Him. This book is revealed to us so that we would know God and know how to live as a redeemed individual in this life. So all the things that we need to know for life and godliness are in this book, and yet God has also given us natural wisdom as well to understand science and other things that we can learn in the world. But your original question was about... What?
5: Um, If if there's such a thing, uh, wisdom from God and wisdom from the world. I would say all wisdom comes from God. The question would more so
3: be the wisdom from the word and the wisdom from his natural revelation. From from the world. He said world. From the world in general. Yeah. Is
5: there such a thing?
3: Yeah. What do you mean by from the world? There is,
5: but... Well, I mean... Worldly wisdom? Yeah, like worldly wisdom. I guess you could say... Is there? Can we actually say that the world has wisdom to offer that won't glorify God? Or is that just smartness, intelligence, or I don't know what you call it?
3: Well, yeah, I'm trying to to make a differentiation because there is such a thing as worldly wisdom that is not truly wise in the eyes of God. Okay. And then there is actual wisdom that's also found in Scripture that's evidenced in the world. Mm -hmm. So someone who may not have read all the Proverbs kindly deals with the conflict in the workplace in a way that a soft answer turns away wrath, but he's never read that verse. Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't say that wisdom came from the world at large, but it came from the image of God And man, comes from our interactions with one another. Yeah, the way cultures interact. Mm -hmm. But all wisdom, all truth is God's truth. But there's a way of living your life in the world that the world views as wise, Mm. That is not wise in God's eyes. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah.
2: just because, it, and the world's view on wisdom is mostly logical, academic, academic, academic scientific, scientific, Mathematic. Um, And so, I think a good example is First Corinthians 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So actually using the words of wisdom would empty the cross of its power because he says in verse 18, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of the sage? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. And then he goes on and on.
0: So there is wisdom of the world. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But it it doesn't match with
0: God's wisdom. Um, I like, you just read from Corinthians. It says... You, you touched on this, actually. So 16 and 17, if we take a good look at this, redeeming the time because the days are evil, and then therefore do not be unwise, but understand what is the will of the Lord. So the, is the will of the Lord have a connection to redeeming the time, basically explaining what we should be doing? And so when we see redeeming the time, does that mean we should be spending all the time we have uh, or as much time as we can to fulfill the will of the Lord? Is that what it means? or does it mean just be smart with your time? Does he give a proper example in the following verses? <laughs> this is why Ephesians <laughs> is hard to study, because you can't
5: why focus you can't on go one with verse Mark. too
0: much. Mm-hmm. you got to read the, <laughs> the passage. Any,
5: anything section. you
2: ask, Mark's going to go either one verse <laughs> ahead or behind. ten verses back. Well, <laughs> I agree, but yeah. I'm all, the, the question is in verse 18, is the and, like a different topic altogether and he's like, and on a separate topic, or is he actually connecting the two? And if he is, do you think that would be a good example of doing something that is foolish and then doing something that is uh, more redeeming of the time? I think you could connect them. Um,
0: because looking at this, so if we just look at 16, 17 and into 18 redeeming the time, Um, or in another translation makes it, makes, it says, uh, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So if we are in a time where the days are evil, I think we could all agree to that. Um, the days have been evil since sin entered the world. And, um, we now have time that God gives us right on this earth. So we should be spending our time, uh, glorifying him and doing the will of the Lord. So, um, helping people get saved. Uh, proclaiming His name, worshiping Him. And so if we are spending our time doing that, that would be the opposite of being unwise. It would be being wise. It would be um, understanding what the will of the Lord is. But in order to do that, we need to understand what the will of the Lord is. So that was going to be my next question, the will of the Lord. Um, Does that mean uh, glorifying Him and bringing others to salvation or... Uh, living to worship him, or where is Paul going with the will of the Lord? Because if we do look at 18, we kind of can understand more of it. I think
2: what Austin said um, was really right from the beginning when he was talking about what is wisdom. It's knowing God um, and knowing who he is. And if there is any truth in this world that does that's not specified specifically in the Bible, it belongs to him. Mm-hmm. He, he is of this truth. And th- that just made me think specifically, Um, we talked about this last time, is to find what is pleasing to him. And then how do we find what is pleasing to someone? We study them. So I think all Christians should be theologians. We study God. We understand who he is. And in every aspect of our life, even though there might not be a direct verse um, that links to it, we should understand what would be pleasing to him in this situation and to do that. Verse 10.
1: You pretty much just said and try to discern what Mm -hmm. is pleasing to the Lord. Mm -hmm. His revealed will, essentially the Bible. Studying the Bible and what God has revealed that He wants us to do and doing those, redeeming the time.
0: So if there was a call to action, what was the call to action in these
1: few verses? To do the will of the Lord.
0: (laughs) Easier (laughs) easier said. I I think look
1: discern Discern what God has told us to do, and do it. There's a lot of, but also do it
0: is easy. But what is do we do? you want? But, lot, he wants but also understand. He verse, wants verse
2: seventeen is the word "understand" a uh, verb, or like, you know, is that something that we have to actively seek to understand Him? There's, oh, is it or, a, or or is it just something that we passively do?
5: It, no, I think there's was two part, right? We have to put in the effort to study the scriptures, mm-hmm. right? And he, and listen to God through preaching and worship and everything. And he's going to reveal, I guess, more about himself and how we should act, you know, hence his will, what we should do through the Holy Spirit.
1: Walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires flesh. of flesh.
5: Yeah. Right. But there is a responsibility that's fallen on us to make sure that we do live up to imitating god and we do that understanding how to do that through sanctification by reading the scriptures and allowing the holy spirit to work in us am i right to say that Mm -hmm.
1: therefore not be foolish yeah 17.
5: austin's very quiet
3: Sorry, I was looking I was looking up the Greek stuff while we were talking.
0: <laughs> Austin took a Greek exam today, so
4: he's
5: he fresh on his so My right mind now. is a
3: little fried right now.
5: <laughs> well, he's not like, oh, stop, Serge. That's wrong, so I'm okay. My question
2: on a separate note um, is doing something that is wise or doing something that unwise, is that a sin? You're not reading all the time. Um, or are you just wasting your Doing time? Doing one action
0: like, or being in a state of
2: unwise. For instance, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Mm-hmm. And I I think like eighteen and nineteen are kind of good examples. Of, are you talking
0: about like wasting your yeah time that God has given you on other yeah. things?
2: Like is that a sin? Like six or, hours. Or is on, that or is that just something that's not necessarily pleasing to Him, but it's not like a sin. six hours on an Instagram during a day. Call yes. of Duty.
0: Yes. Video game Awesome. I don't know why you keep looking at me, dude. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> he like <laughs> Mark asks a
0: question, he looks at me, I'm like, <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying when, to think here. When you know... I'm some, supposed
2: to be looking at you. He knows you best. He kind of like... He can't really look at us because it'll be rude, you know? So he he, he finds comfort in looking at you because you're the only one he can look at. I'm just kidding. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, I thought you had some good examples of wasting time. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 I do. I have a, a thick background of that.
5: I think we all do.
0: Um, I think it would depend on what exactly the you're situation. doing. What you, you're doing. Because... Um, playing video games, is it a sin? Depends on the situation. Is somebody, did, did somebody close to you ask you to do something or is God calling you to do something and you are purposely ignoring somebody or God and you're doing playing these video games? Yeah, I would consider that a sin. But if you're just half free time, let's say based on situation, I mean, is it a half hour, an hour? Are you supposed to be going to church? Like what's going on? And I think um, we will, we would know, I think with our, with our guilt, with, with the Holy Spirit within us, we would know like, Hey, this is, some people have a,
2: uh, overactive conscience though, because they've been told it was a sin. Like you can't even watch movies or you can't watch a TV show cause it's a sin. Well, if you
0: have a conviction that something's a sin and you're doing it, are you sinning? Remember Romans, Romans 14? Yeah. I have a, yes. I
1: have a story. <laughs> so we my, love stories. Let's go. <laughs> my uncle is super conservative like my dad's brother and he was young he was still unmarried and my dad was married and um he lived like next door to my mom and dad and then he's super conservative all he does all day because he thought it was holy was like read the bible and he thought everything else was vain mm-hmm. and like he'd come by the window my mom's making food he's like oh oh such vanity, you're spending all day in the kitchen. Such Can I meet vanity. this guy? <laughs> such vanity. You could think of how many chapters in the Bible you could have read. And then like did, she, did he just read uh, Ecclesiastes? And then he the and <laughs> then bite, she, she invites a man, he eats all the food and then and, then, and then he snaps back to it. He's like, Oh man, this is such vanity. Vanity of vanities. That is oh, awesome.
5: Eating dude. was not vanity.
2: <laughs>
1: Wasting your time. It just jogged my memory that
2: some people go to the extreme where enjoying the fruit of someone else's vanity. I've <laughs> been pointing
5: yeah. out it was vanity. Well, is vanity I guess is vanity sinful in, in that sense? Because you can say that there are some things that we can do that Ecclesiastes talks about. He calls them vanity, which in scripture it's specific sin like getting drunk. For example, that's something he experienced, and mm-hmm. we know that's a sin. Um, and he called that just vanity. But there's other things that may not necessarily be sinful, but have no real edifying moral point to it. Yes, but then I will do want to. But take, at the same time, go ahead. I was going to say I want to take the question a little further. Uh, is anything that we do that does not bring God glory a sin?
0: I don't think everything or anything, I don't think that's necessarily correct. But does Scripture call it a sin? I think it's, it's important to know.
5: Well, that's the question. Anything that we do that does not glorify God, is that considered a sin? Or is that a question that we shouldn't necessarily be asking?
3: I think this is where Mark would probably say we've got to get back on track. But I'll say one more thing. I've always heard sin defined as any lack ...of conformity to the moral law of God. Perfection. Yes, so it's, um, we understand that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so there are sins that we commit that we don't know we commit. There are sins that we commit by not doing what we should be doing. So when the Holy Spirit shows us through His Word ways that we ought to be bringing our behavior in line with His Word, we need to remember what we've read in chapters 1 through 3 that Jesus Christ obeyed perfectly in our place, that He has adopted. we've been adopted into God's family, we are received by grace through faith in Christ alone for the glory of God. So yes, we fall short every single day, but that should be cause for us to rest in Christ and then to walk in wisdom the way Paul is calling us to walk in wisdom um, because of that, because we have a new identity in Christ.
5: I there- wonder if anyone had these... Had their parents ask him this question when something was kind of questionable, for mm-hmm. Christian should or should not do that. Like for example, for me growing up, the biggest thing one of the biggest things that my parents looked down upon was us going to movie theaters. Couldn't even go see Passion of the Christ when it first came out because it was shown in movie theaters, and they're like, "That's no." Um, they would always ask, "Well, would you invite Jesus to go with you to the movies?" That was kind of like our <laughs> conviction, like probably not, <laughs> <You know? laughs> like would you invite Jesus to play COD or something else or spend six hours on Instagram with you or whatever the fact may be? That was like always our...
0: I don't think that's like a correct question.
5: I don't think so either, but
2: that's but like I, something I that... I think that, it's... Especially when you consider, It's not a correct, correct question, but I think we've all experienced it. Yeah, um, and
0: Austin, this is why we kind of bring up these things is because we we know when... We know we have these... Like this is going through all of our yeah. heads. I don't know if mm-hmm. it's our background. Maybe not, maybe... Um, but I think this is a question that people encounter, especially mm. teens encounter, probably daily. And so they might encounter this from their parents. They might encounter this. So when we do, when we do talk about like verses sixteen, seventeen, make the best of time because the days are evil. Mm. Um, I think I think we should the, we should always try to focus to do the will of the Lord mm-hmm. to be imitators of God. Of Christ. And so, so if you yes. we were
5: to conclude like spending six hours on Instagram in one sitting on a day, not isn't necessarily sinful, but it's definitely
2: not healthy. Not physically, not spiritually. Not wise. Yeah, that's yeah. not Even wise. Even the worldly it's view. not wise. Yeah. The reason why I think that's an example, but there's also I think a few different examples that I just wanted to bring up if we can. And um, I think the reason why I say this is I find that there has been a yoke placed upon me when I was younger, um, specifically about not doing certain things and saying that that is a sin. When looking at this passage, I think maybe it was unwise for me to do, but it was not necessarily a sin. Um, And sometimes I think this burden gets put on so extremely where it would actually be contradictory to God's word. I've um, seen and heard of pastors or missionaries who would not spend time with their families, with their kids, you know, when that's your calling, that's your first calling as a a husband, as a father to spend time, but they would rather be out there doing missionary work. Um, For me, I'm like, you know, I'd rather spend time with my wife, with my child. I'd rather stay home with them. It's kind of like you think, well, we're not necessarily – maybe reading the Bible together at this moment. We're outside enjoying the weather. We're having a nice conversation we're walking. Um, I think that is glorifying God in our relationship. Like, do you guys see what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you? I don't know.
5: I agree. I agree. Just because you're not necessarily reading the Bible or singing spiritual songs or your beloved other mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're sinning because you're not necessarily, you know... Just think yeah, of Vlad's uncle it.
0: next time. <laughs> yeah.
5: He's oh, the vanity,
3: vanity, vanity. Is vanity. <laughs> well, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of Lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Mm-hmm. Um, we have good gifts to enjoy in this life and uh, spiritual gifts that we enjoy, physical gifts that we mm-hmm. enjoy. God has created us to enjoy Him forever, as John Piper famously says. So we enjoy Him by glorifying Him, and we glorify Him by receiving the grace that He's given us in Christ Jesus and living that out, they're not, we're not going to be reading Scripture 24-7. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. He's called us to be faithful um, as, as men on this podcast, husbands, fathers. Uh, to fulfill the will of God means going to work for us. And if we're at work, we're not able to simultaneously read God's Word. And so, well, unless you're a pastor, and then then you're doing that, but you're lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) There, there are things that God has called us to enjoy and given us that are a part of life uh, that we can enjoy together, as long as
2: they are not in violation of a specific biblical command. Yeah. Sorry for going off on that tangent. I know it's not necessarily in the context of the passage, but it is relevant. Yeah. I,
1: I sometimes I catch myself thinking, how would I view that. Like God is our father, right? He loves us. He's created this world for us and he wants all the best for us. Mm -hmm. And like, if I look at my children, I want to provide everything I can for them. So they have a happy life, you know, and God, I don't think he sits up there. He's just like, follow that. You need to be perfect. I think God in his love, he provides for us to relax, have a, enjoy nature, enjoy the beauty that he's created and there's a place for that. There's a place of dedication, service, ministry. There's a time and place for that, and we should take that very seriously, but we should also unplug and enjoy what God has created, our families and everything that we have.
0: Agreed. Um, can uh, we get can into I? 18, Because that I'll actually back up everything we've just said. Um, it's going be... actually help
2: us understand better what the will of the Lord. Is. It's almost like a whole podcast. I had that. a story, but <laughs> I'll share it maybe afterwards. It might fit in even better.
0: Okay. Uh, <laughs> verse 18, chapter five, Ephesians, and do not be drunk with wine in which is Debauchery. dissipation. Oh, sorry. You have but be cool filled time. with the Spirit, <laughs> speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody
2: in your heart to the Lord. You're just trying to catch a off guard. You have like, you know how in the translation, there's like multiple, uh, in the Greek translation, there's multiple definitions for yeah, it. You yep. just pick a bunch of different synonyms, come up with your own translation.
0: You guys are all on debauchery, and I'm like, I'm going to purposely take a pause at what that What are you word. reading,
1: KJV?
2: <laughs>
0: Uh, I got New King James and King James on the side. So I'm, I'm both right now. He's
5: old faithful. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. So do not be filled. So there's a... Uh, uh, but be filled. It seems like it's like extreme opposites almost, right? There's be filled with a spear and then be filled with wine. And I I assume, well, it says do not get drunk, which I, I assume everyone else's translation says that too, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. to get drunk, you obviously have to have an excess
2: of this substance yeah, right tolerance levels aside, well, sp- specifically if you're talking about alcoholic drink, right, to be drunk with wine, right, that's the example that he's bringing.
5: Yeah, and so it's like extreme, exa- extreme, diff- extreme, opposite polar ends because one or the other is gonna cause you to kind of do certain things, right? If you're filled with the Spirit, you're gonna do these things of addressing one another, psalms, hymns, building each other up, supporting each other, right? Um, go going as far as verse 21, submitting to one another. Um, giving thanks to the Lord, but if you are filled with wine, it's probably going to take you back to what we've been talking about in the first half of chapter Mm 5, doing all those things of darkness and Mm -hmm. being secretive and doing things that shouldn't even be named among the saints and not being imitators of God.
0: Can we give a a small historical background also on why Paul says, do not be drunk with wine Mm -hmm. to the Ephesians? um, this is a community study I did, but uh, there's some notes in here. It says, Paul, Paul is here speaking especially about the drunken, drunken orgies commonly associated with many pagan worship ceremonies of that day. Um, they were supposed to induce some type of um, ecstatic communion with the deities. So um, I think the re- there's a reason Paul brings this up in the way that he does, is if we look at that practice, if this was actual, right? in in history um and we do look at that practice uh it, it makes sense because people are trying to get drunk in order to be in a different state of mind right as worship as worship to their false god to make a connection yeah. but paul Paul in here says in which is dissipation or debauchery um what does that mean dissipation mm-hmm. well if you did your homework for c c you would have known <laughs> I did. I'm just (laughs) asking.
3: Superfluous excess. I just I found excess as (laughs) as, uh, (laughs) excess of of great extent (laughs) of uh, maximum quality. Quality.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
0: Man, that makes it so much easier.
2: (laughs) Clear as mud. Austin said I could get drunk. (laughs) <laughs> it was of great quality. <laughs> it's a positive thing, right?
0: I actually know it says here, do not be drunk. Oh, um, So there is, obviously, there's also passages from Scripture that talk about why being drunk, the state of being drunk, is a sin. Um, and b- th- what I was getting at to my original point is, if we make that connection, um, be drunk with wine, in which is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And so Serge kind of brought that up, too, in the beginning, too, is there's a a connection here to what is being filled with the Spirit as well. Mm -hmm. And so um, if being filled with the Spirit, that's talking about what lives inside of us. If Holy Spirit lives inside of us, the um, indwelling, um, we are indwelt and baptized by the Spirit at the time of our salvation that is at that moment but this is also a continuous thing we should be filled with the spirit always right am i kind of going the right direction that's kind of what i'm what my head is thoughts well, your,
5: your thoughts about the pagan worship part i think he i think he speaks more about that in verse chapter four where he says um, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality greedy practice of every mm. kind of impurity but that is not the way you learn christ assuming that you have heard of him. Agreed. So I, I think there is definitely some connection connection to how the Gentiles worship their pagan gods, which even taking historical looks outside of Scripture, we can say that it's true, that there was a lot of sexual impurity in their worship towards their pagan gods. And were, he
0: spoke about fornication too. Yeah.
5: Um, I, I don't know if we can make that connection here. I don't, I don't know. It's immediately relevant to the audience relevant. he is speaking. I think it is relevant. And I think but, well
1: yeah go ahead. And and he's bringing up these examples that they can all relate to. And then he brings that contrast do not be drunk with wine, what is common practice in that time, but be filled with the spirit. Don't find your joy in drink in in getting drunk and that's not joy. This is what you Or is it doing.
0: don't find your connection in being drunk with wine. Does this say drink?
1: It says drunk.
2: So, is at least from this passage.
0: It's
1: a state. It's a
0: state of being. There's
2: nothing. This passage does not condone drinking. It condones drinking in excess, where you get into a state of drunkenness. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Just this passage. I'm not talking about anything else. Depends who you ask. (laughs) I'm, I'm I'm just thinking, apart from the pagan worship, Drinking wine was just a common day, everything like common day occurrence for everyone. Even Jesus drank wine. We see that. Um, the The question is, how much do you drink, and why do you drink so much? And usually, those who are drunkards, you know, I'm just like thinking. Even at the beginning of Acts, they're like, it's the middle of the day. Why are they drunk? New wine, right? Nobody would, nobody in their common sense would even drink that much wine um, in the middle of the day. Whereas here, I'm just thinking, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. What's the best use of your time? It's obviously not to just continually drink wine until you're drunk, but rather you should do something else. Will which, of the Lord. Yeah, the will of the Lord, um, the which will be filled, with, which will fill you with the Spirit. Mm-hmm.
1: So there's a context to that. Um, when it speaks about wine, there's different types of wines. There's one time I heard um, John MacArthur's. Sermon about drinking, and there's different types of wines. The most common wine during that time was um, almost like an evaporated wine where they would turn it into a paste and it wouldn't ferment. It was unfermented at that point. And then when they needed to use it, they would dilute it to like a 1 to 20, and it's no longer um, alcoholic per se. Like wine that we drink today is like 9% alcohol, beer is like 4 or whatever in That range, but, but then there's was, also strong drink and strong drink, but that's it's new wine, what they're talking or about.
2: like, uh, or, or yeah, strong vodka. drink,
1: yeah, straight up alcohol. Spirits, Back yeah. then, in that culture, drinking straight up like new wine or um, strong drink was like debauchery, it was like you didn't do that, that was not in that culture. In the context so what I'm trying to make a point is if you mix if if they were using the wine that they think is was commonly used where they mixed it diluted it with water the alcoholic content was only around 2% Mm -hmm. so you'd have to you have to drink a lot you'd have to drink a lot excess in order to actually reach drunkenness and that's kind of redeem your time you'd have to sit It'd be a big
2: waste of time. Yes, you'd be sitting for a while trying to just reach that drunken state. It's like drinking quas. Yeah, it depends <laughs> what kind of kwas. Yeah, and it depends which wedding you go to. I brought some yeah. to
0: uh, and if to the, church, the bottle it, is bulging, was non-alcoholic. And people kept asking, like, "Is
5: this alcohol, alcohol in it?" If it's homemade, <laughs>
1: <I'm> like, no. <laughs> if
5: question. you
1: drink enough of it, <laughs> if it's
2: homemade, then it's good.
3: <laughs> it Was a disappointed sigh when you said no. Uh,
2: yeah. I, I wasn't twenty-one. At one point, we went to one wedding, and my friend he drank the kwas, and he was like, "Mark, you can't drink this." I was like, "Turn it," <laughs> <laughs> but I can, right?
0: Um I wanna I wanna talk about but be filled with the spirit. Uh speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Um I like I like verse nineteen and end of eighteen is because what is a place that helps you do that? Church. Church. I think um when I was talking to somebody about the importance of having a church, um that's kind of something that went through my head too, is you you can absolutely speak to one another right? doesn't have to be a church. Um, you can sing, you can, uh, spirit, you can sing spiritual songs, making melodies. You can do that in your home. You can do that at work, mm-hmm. but the place where you go to where that happens to where you can feel and be filled with the Holy Spirit, I think church is like a very important factor to that. Um, it's a very important place to where we can gather and, and do these things because not only do we get filled we can now take what take the filling that we got and we can give it to others who maybe are not filled they could be in the same church as as us right they could be the person sitting next to us maybe they're not being filled they're not can and one so, be
2: filled and not filled <coughs> can one have a lack of holy spirit one can uh, what was it called deprave the holy
5: spirit I don't know if you can say he can. Have I'm just wondering, like, aren't
2: we sealed with the Holy Spirit? Is there a certain level of the Holy Spirit certain people have, and can we attain more of it? They're in different Be- elevators. What what filled. kind of filling is it specifically talking Spirit. about?
3: I believe the filling is more referring to our submission to the Spirit's leading through the Word, not so much a qualitative or quantitative mm. uh, filling. Of the Holy Spirit as a Christian. So we have the Holy Spirit, seal of our promise, first fruits, but in our relationship, we can be holding certain things or we can be submitting those things to His leading and asking God through His word to make us more like Jesus. And so there's a way in which we're in greater submission at different times
1: than, than we are at other times. So this contract, you're being filled with wine. Mm-hmm. Which is dissipation, debauchery, instead be filled, right You're submitting yourself to the wine mm-hmm. and its influence, right
3: which is excess in mm-hmm. drunkenness. And the contrast to that was would be you're submitting yourself to, to the, the influence water. of the Spirit through his word, right And his word, through the presence of the Holy Spirit will cause us to want to edify one another in songs and to worship God. Mm -hmm. which is our great chief end to enjoy God forever.
0: Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord.
2: What is the work of the Spirit? I think we talked about it in like John 14 and John 15, where he talks about how he'll send the helper, specifically to remind about the word and to also... um, Make convict. things under, help us understand, yeah, and truths. to sanctify us and to bring us closer to Christ, to make us help us better understand Him. One one thought that kind of made me think: Could this be potentially filled, or a filling, um, is on the road to Emmaus when the two disciples were walking and they said to each other in Luke twenty four thirty two, "Did not our hearts burn with us while He talked to us on the road while He opened to us the Scriptures?" So I'm just like thinking this, was that a work of the Spirit while they were on their way? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. You don't think it was a work of the Spirit? It was a work of Christ.
5: I don't think it was a work of the
2: Holy Spirit. Yeah, but when did that happen?
5: After Christ
0: resurrected.
5: That was still Christ. Holy Spirit hasn't come down yet. 40 days later.
3: I do believe the Holy Spirit was still Still working and still present and still working even in that situation. Um, Yeah, that's all I was going to say. (laughs)
4: Because <laughs> you have to think
0: three You have to think three and one always I know the, the, There's the, no.
2: the Holy Spirit's also called the Spirit of Christ Because mm-hmm. um, it's from him He's the one who sent him
0: Saul got filled with the Holy Spirit too
2: That's after the Pentecost
1: Saul In the Old Testament That's different Let's disregard <laughs> that. I didn't want to step into that one.
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> Let's just That's leave just it the first that. thing that came to my head. That was different. <laughs> just
5: walk away. <laughs> it also says he was filled with the Holy Spirit when he was chasing David and he became naked and started worshiping God. Mm. If mm. you remember that.
1: Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a conversation don't, with don't you. Don't add later. that to your liturgy or <laughs> something. <laughs>
5: you want to pick fights? Don't start fights, skip. no, I was just I was just uh, you know. I probably won't put anything. stuff out there. <laughs> um, let's move on. Um, so I definitely agree that having a church is
2: definitely a call, a biblical godly call for us to be a part of. Fellowship and, with believers, yes. not necessarily just your local church, but if you're visiting somewhere else, that's something that you should desire rather than, you know, Wasting your time in excess. If you can find a group of believers where you are temporarily staying and spend time with them in fellowship,
0: that's making the best use.
2: Yeah. You'll be, yeah. Question The works mentioned in verses 19 through 21, are those the byproduct of the filling or is that how we get filled?
1: But
0: be filled with the Spirit, comma. Than the following actions. So that
5: sounds more of a byproduct.
3: But speaking is a participle. So you be filled speaking. So I think you might be right there. I think being filled with the Spirit is in some way also submitting ourselves to the, the obedience that we're called to here. So speak, even if you don't feel like speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, do it anyway. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for
2: all things to God, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So my question then is like, if if this is a byproduct, how do we get filled? If it's if if this in and of itself, I think when we are filled, doxology mm-hmm. comes natural. Yes, the worship of God. Um, but how are
3: we filled? Natural is, is a difficult word because there is always that war within us, isn't there? Like there are Mm. some Sunday mornings where you walk into church and the flesh does not feel like Mm -hmm. singing loudly or making melody in your heart Mm. to the Lord. The flesh feels like falling asleep. It's at war. It's at war with you. So I think in the context, the best way to be filled with the Spirit is to fight against the flesh by submitting ourselves to the Word of God. And the Word of God tells us in this passage... Speak one to another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. Give thanks always to all things to God in the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then submit to one another in the fear of God. If we are doing those things in submission to God's word and leading, those feelings should be there and should be a part of that, but they may not always... We don't obey because we feel like it. We obey because we want to uh, honor Christ. And those feelings will follow that.
1: And those events do the filling. You are filled when you do those events that listed. Well, again, I Psalms, want to go... It's,
3: it's so tough because when we're talking about filling, we're, we're talking about submitting ourselves to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And so the answer, it's a, it's a byproduct of these things. The filling, the speaking and the singing and the making melody and the giving thanks are all byproducts of being filled with the Spirit. And they are simultaneously Filling us. Yes. Filling us. So, so it's, it's like, yeah. it's not one or the it's other, both. it's both. Yes. Because there are those days, where I, I don't know if, I'm sure you guys have the same experience where you don't always feel like giving thanks, even though we have so much to be thankful for and to give thanks for. And then there are other days where you feel like giving thanks. Well, because I think like
2: we're, we're focused on ourselves. You know what I right. mean? If we have our own issues, if we have something going on, we're focusing on our issues. We're not yeah. focusing on God. Sometimes we just have to focus on Him. Yeah. And like you said, to give ourselves up to Him, give ourselves up to His will, and realize who He is, and worship Him as a result, and therefore we will be um, just filled. And
1: like take take Thanksgiving for example. Just because we're always focused on ourselves, just take a moment and be thankful to God. That immediately changes the perspective. You're no longer looking at yourself. You're looking further out, mm-hmm. and that changes your spiritual perspective. Always you come in, in for everything. Yeah, you come in, you start worshiping. Maybe you don't feel like it, but in the process, you're being filled. So the same
5: thing can be a product and a feeling at the same time. Yeah. Yeah,
3: sounds like it. The word I was looking for was edification. Yeah. Because a f- feeling is always a word that you know it doesn't just it just doesn't communicate everything that I mean. Mm-hmm. But edification, I think, is the perfect word. Because in singing, you are edified. In giving thanks, you are edified. In ministering one to another, in those psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, you are edified while you are also edifying somebody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think being filled with the Spirit and, and being in submission to the Word of God and His commands is also an edifying process as well.
2: The church edifies itself, mm-hmm. and even, I think, God gave, we read this in chapter 4, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ in a similar, not necessarily the same kind of fellowship and worship that believers have when they gather together, but still it's a work of edification, a work of understanding who he is, understanding his will better, and therefore um, through this understanding, we can then submit to his will. And submit to one another. Yeah.
5: As verse 21 says. All because of Christ.
3: <laughs> well, let's talk for a minute. Just what we've talked about tonight as we as we think about going on to the next passage in another night. We see because of what God has done for us in Christ because we've been adopted into his family, because we've been saved by grace through faith, we are called now to walk worthy, to walk in wisdom. So how do we do that? We walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. We redeem the time, make the most of our time because the days are evil. Therefore, because of that, we don't want to be unwise. We want to understand what God's will is in his word. Because of that, we don't want to be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking and ministering to one another in these songs through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts to the Lord, giving thanks to him, and submitting to one another in the fear of God. Let's pray. Are you going to pray? Yeah. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that these commands are for our benefit. Thank you that you're not done with us, but you're patient with us. Thank you for the promise that Jesus Christ has obeyed and fulfilled righteousness perfectly in our place, that we will never be cast out because of what he's done for us. For all who believe in him receive the promise of this grace wherein we stand. We pray that you'd help us to be obedient, to live the life you've called us to live, to walk wisely, and to rest in the grace we've received from you, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
4: Amen. Amen.
5: Thank you for joining us today. We hope God was able to speak to your heart, so now you can go and share it with others. Feel free to leave any questions, prayer requests, or blessings. Join us on Instagram and share our podcast to others. And remember, always keep your heart in Scripture.